Welcome to the Fully Restored Podcast. Christians often struggle to talk about areas of deep hurt like trauma or abuse, shame or betrayal. These are deep soul wounds. Friend, Christ came to not only heal us from our sin, but from our soul wounds as well. My name is Kristen Klaus and I'm a licensed professional counselor and author. And my guest and I are here to walk with you on your healing journey. We see you and hear you. Friend, if you hang with me, apply these truths to your life, you will be on your own path to a fully restored story. Grab your coffee, tea, or favorite drink, and let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Kristen Klaus, and you're listening to the Fully Restored Podcast. Today, I'm joined by my guest, Lisa Apollo as part of our December Advent series. And today, Lisa and I are talking about observing Advent with our family. And I am so looking forward to all that she has to share with us. Today, we're gonna be discussing in part from Lisa's book, Countdown to Christmas, Unwrap the Christmas Story with Your Family in 15 Days. Welcome, Lisa, to the Fully Restored Podcast. Hi, Kristen. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it is a joy to have you here with us. So, Lisa, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself, the work you do in your family? Sure. I am a mom of seven, and that probably most defines me, although I will say five are launched, and I still have two at home. I have actively homeschooled them, all all seven of them. I just added it up for somebody else. I'm like in my 23rd year of homeschooling. So of course we've done different things in that, you know, different classes and co-ops, but that's been a a large part of my life. And in in the last 10 years, I've been a single mom and not by choice, but my husband passed away suddenly and I became a single mom and widow. So we are, we are doing well. God has been good to walk us through just some of the deepest, darkest, oof, despair that I have ever known. But um, I've prayed that that would mark my children for good and that they would see that God is alive and how he's taking care of us so tenderly and so personally, and that that would just bear much fruit for them in their adult lives. Oh, I am so sorry, Lisa, for your loss. And that truly is a difficult path of, of having not only to walk grief, but having your children to raise in the midst of all of that. And so I'm so sorry. And I feel like that's a, another show that I would love to have you come back and discuss about walking through that. Mm. Because here at the Fully Restored podcast, we talk about difficult seasons in our lives and how Jesus walked us through so that we can give hope to other people. So here we're talking about your family and the difficulties that you have faced in your family. But we're also talking about Advent, which I feel like that just kind of goes hand in hand because, you know, we want to, we often want to just look at all the the goodness of life around us and there are difficulties. And the story of Jesus, of the birth of Jesus, it wasn't all wonderful. There were difficulties that Mary and Joseph faced with this. So as we kind of jump into this, have you always celebrated or um, acknowledged Advent in your family? No, actually I haven't. One year where we were in a co-op and one of my young 
children was in a group that was that made Jesse for the first semester made talked about the Jesse tree and would make a and the and the story behind the Jesse tree and would make an ornament to go with that. If, if nobody's done the Jesse tree before, it's kind of you know there are I can't remember because we only did it that one year. But there there are ornaments that you hang on your tree one by one, and they tell the gospel story going back from prophecy all the way through the birth of of Christ. And so we did that. We had a little special tree that the kids hung their Jesse tree ornaments on. And then that was it. We just never really did it again. But when Dan died, we didn't do this the first year. The first year, I think it was a few months into grief. And I was just really trying to get through the holidays. But the second year, I knew that we needed, that I had to be proactive to have joy. If anybody's gone through any kind of hard grief, you know, I was so naive. I did not know how long that it would last and that the second year would actually be harder than the first year in a lot of ways. So for me as a mom with seven children, trying to have a good Christmas for them, I thought, you know, we've got to be proactive in order to find joy this Christmas because our hearts are still broken and we're still very much missing their dad. So I began to put together, um, scriptures and we, and we, and I kind of married it with our nativity scene. I was really, really big. I've always been big on nativity scenes. I love them. I have several of them throughout the house. So that was something we always did. But in this particular Christmas, I decided to put, have one child-friendly nativity scene that we would put up piece by piece. And I just kind of researched, I dug into the scripture and found scriptures telling the story of Christ and Christ's birth that would match the pieces of our nativity. And so just for our family that year, I put that together and um, we did it. And it was a way for us to, in a season where our hearts were breaking, taking us back to the reason we celebrated Christmas and kind of getting away from the trappings of Christmas and, you know, the, the things that we see everybody else doing and the magic that they have in their home, just bringing us back to the reason that our family celebrates Christmas and the reason we have joy right there amidst the grief, right there amidst the pain, was hugely healing for us. I absolutely love everything that you just shared right now, because one of the things that is truth, we we need to recognize this and, and acknowledge it, and that's what you're doing, is that Christmas season is not always happy and joyful for many people. For many people, there's conflict in their family, there's loss, there's grief thinking about the pandemic and, you know, families not being together, especially last year. But I think this year, um, there's a lot of families that are avoiding being together once again. And to go back to the simplicity of the story of Jesus, to take all the trappings away. I actually had this conversation with somebody else recently. I think it was one of the other podcasts about this song, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you and how that is about stripping away all the things that we kind of make what our relationship and what worship is like to just go back to the simplicity of that relationship with God. And here you're talking about, let's go back to the bare bones of what this season is about. Not about, yes, it's wonderful for families to gather. Yes, it's wonderful to give presents and gifts and and to do all those things. But let's go back to the heart of what this season is about. And you're also talking about creating new traditions. And I love that because in the middle of whether it's loss is 
is the loss of a loved one or the end of a marriage, creating those new traditions so that children and families can move forward and walk this new journey, this new path in their life that lays before them. And so I love that that's what you did as you gathered the scriptures. And out of this experience, is that what caused you to write your book? It is. And as you were talking, it just made me think that, you know, when we delve into the scriptures like that, when we focus on Christ, um, it doesn't take away the pain. The pain is still there. It's very real. This is not a Band-Aid that we put on top of it or an expectation that we shouldn't be feeling that pain because joy, joy, this is Christmas and, and Christ came. When we look at the Christmas story, the the wonder of it all is that Christ left the comfort and the worship and the perfection of heaven to walk with us in our suffering and in our pain. Yeah. And that, when you're walking through something hard, I heard this recently, the three best words that we can say to somebody or that we can hear are, you're not alone. And that's exactly what... Advent is that Jesus left heaven, that God sent his only son so that we would not be alone in our suffering and in our pain. He walks with us in it and of course, redeems us from it. That just makes me want to pause. Like I, 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 like if we were sitting here together, I feel like that would just be like a Sila moment where we just pause. And you write a lot about grief and walking through the storms of life. So How has celebrating Advent helped you deal with your deep loss? I think for us, it was, you know, in a busy season, it was allowing us to go back to the reason that we celebrate. And for my children, you know, it's easy to think in loss that, you know, I I wanted a different childhood for you. This is not the childhood I wanted for you. And this is not the childhood I hoped you would have, or that I would have written for you, but this is the one that we are now walking out and that God has allowed in that, just asking God to use it for good and to deepen their faith. Because when all the extra stuff is stripped away, and that's what really happens in any hard season of our life, whether you are walking through, like you said, a marriage difficulty, it could be a financial implosion in your life. It could be a longing, something that you've longed for and wanted and has never been brought about. You know, it could be a relationship, an adult relationship in your life that has just caused such pain, or it could be a loss. It could be loss of a child, loss of a pregnancy. For us, loss of um, my husband and my children's father. In all those times, it really strips away things that we bought. You know, we think that we have our hope placed in God as believers. And yet when we go through pain, we see where we've misplaced our hope and that we really were placing our joy and our contentment and our life in other things. And when that is stripped away and all we have left really is our relationship with the Lord, it helps us to just bring home that that, that God is sufficient and that that is enough. And that is what Advent does. My book is not written there. It's interesting because even though I was in a place of pain, somebody who's not in a place of pain could definitely use this Advent book or do Advent and God would meet them right where they are. But if you are in a place of pain, I would tell you that Advent is so comforting 
going back to find that that God is a God of comfort, that he is sufficient, and that, that the gospel message is hope, not just for eternity, and that's good hope, but the gospel message is that God has promised us abundant life here and made it possible through Christ. So I think all of those things were, you know, on different days, God was bringing different messages to us as we read the scriptures and, and put up our nativity. But that is really the hope that we have at Christmas. And as you're talking, I'm thinking about, you know, I have this image of you guys, you and your family gathering around reading and what revelation came to you guys in the conversations that you had would be different. That's basically what you're saying it is different than another family as they're sitting and going through each day that what that revelation hits them based on the scripture that they read. Because the truth is, we all face life difficulties. Everybody has life difficulties. We're not always in a mountain season in our life. And, and for many of us, there's those deep valley seasons that we feel like we're more like in a pit than in a valley. And as you're talking about joy, I was thinking of, you know, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And too often we think that joy is that emotion that is based on everything being good instead of everything's going to be okay because God, you're with me. I remember a few years back, my husband had been in ICU and was intubated, had just been intubated, and he had double pneumonia. This was before COVID. And I, I remember sitting in that hospital room awaiting my son to arrive I, at the time, I lived in Washington State, and he was in North Carolina, and awaiting for him to arrive, flew th- over the night. And so I was there alone. I had no family there. And I remember in that difficult time, you know, I didn't feel happiness. I didn't feel this excitement about life. There was really this, this heaviness at, at that night. It was a real battle, I thought, that night about fear. And the Lord said to me, Kristen, no matter what happens, I've got your back. And then that brought the peace to me. So it was a a peace with an inner joy, not the joy that we think of, oh, I'm so excited I get to do this, but that inner peace, which is the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so we can have that in the midst of difficulties. And is that what you and your family experienced that Christmas? Yes, we, like I said, it's, you're exactly right. It's not that we have joy and the pain disappears, that it replaces the pain. Yeah. But it's just that steady knowing that this life is not all there is. Yes. And you know, for children, that is a lesson that is a good lesson for them to learn. I remember sitting down with my kids, you know, shortly after my husband's funeral and kind of everybody had gone back to their homes and back to their lives. And it was just us again. And we were sitting around, I can just picture them on the living room couch and on pillows on the floor. And I remember thinking, you know, this is something that if you will allow it, you will see God. You know, I would, I would, like I said, I never would have chosen this for you, but if you will allow God, you will see God in ways you never would have otherwise. And learning those lessons early is, is good. Learning them at any point. I remember one of my favorite studies when I was diving down into these scriptures was the prophecy of the prophecy in, I'll have to actually turn to it in, 
in here. It's in Isaiah 11, 1, 2, where it says that a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. And I went on to talk about how in our yard, we have an, we had an old oak tree and it had been cut off. Like they had cut down these, we, we live in Florida, North Florida. So we have these huge oak trees and this one was just like barrel sized trunk. And the, the whole thing had been cut off, but the trunk had been left, the, the stump had been left in the ground and new shoots continued to grow out that stump. I would have to go and continually like cut those new shoots out of that stump. And the picture of course, that, that God is giving in that is that the royal line that at the time of Christ, everybody thought was dead. They were under Roman rule. They had been under Babylonian rule and Persian rule. And the royal line of David, kings, the, the Hebrew kings sitting on the throne of David had long been gone. And what looked like a dead stump, God resurrected and brought new life. And that was Christ, you know, sitting in, continuing that royal line of David. And I remember for us, what a picture that was that out of what looks dead in our life, yeah. God can bring life Absolutely. and what looks hopeless or impossible or beyond what we could see or think God could bring about, God can do. And any promise he's made, just like that was a promise of prophecy in scripture, we can count on him bringing it about. That's how getting, you know, studying these Advent scriptures and looking at the story of Jesus, not just the gospel, not in just, you know, in Luke too, but going all the way back to the thousands of years where God said, I am bringing you a redeemer. I am bringing you a redeemer. That is just huge hope for us when we are walking through pain or waiting for something. Hmm, absolutely. My heart is just so in agreement with you right now. And again, I feel like that's like a Sila moment. I feel like there's a lot of these just pause moments here because we need to embrace that, that there's so much more to the story of the birth of Jesus. There's so much. And, and I think about, you know, as we're talking about heartache, I think about the 400 years of silence where it wasn't, there was nothing written when, when I speak of silence, that there was nothing written that is in the Bible and how the people continued to wait, how they continued to long and that they knew about the, the promises, they knew about the prophecies, and they were awaiting their Messiah to come. And then he comes in the simplest way. He doesn't come taking over the governments. He comes as a baby in a manger. He comes as one who is an immigrant. I had that conversation with someone recently because they were immigrants. They had to leave their where they were from because of the taxes and the things and the census and, and, and all that stuff going on. But they weren't even in the comfort of their own home. And that's not how we expect the Messiah, our Lord and Savior, the one that died and was resurrected for our sins. We didn't expect that he would come that way. Like we're looking back now on the story and we're on the other side of that. But to be there where they were at that time was a very difficult time to have faith, but it's still difficult at times for us to have faith, to press into that and just to look at the story and look at the characteristics of God, 
of who God is and to hold close to that instead of focusing on the circumstances in our life. So what would you say to someone who's never observed Advent? Because we know that there's some denominations that this isn't a part of their normal celebration for the Christmas season. And it wasn't, I've never been in a denomination that it was part of our celebration either, which is yeah. why we hadn't done it as a family. I would say if this is something that you want to begin incorporating in your family, not to overcomplicate it. It really does not have to be difficult and it doesn't have to be a, a huge labor. I know we're probably talking to moms here and you're thinking adding one more thing to your December list is just what you need, right? But honestly, it doesn't have to be difficult. There's There are simple ways to pull this into your December and not have it be a burden, but to have it just be a tremendous blessing. And something that, you know, here I sit with five children launched. And so they're doing their own things. They're not home anymore at Christmas. Even when they were in college, they would come home after exams and after moving out of their dorm or their apartment. And so I might get them like a week before Christmas. I wouldn't have them the whole month of December or that whole Advent season. You know, we have such a short time. We have 18 Christmases with our children. If we take off like the first and second year when they're babies, then they may not even understand scriptures that we're reading. Maybe 16 Christmases to really do this together as a family. And it's not just that you're making a tradition. It's that we are teaching them. And it's like every year this gets down a little bit more and a little bit more. And even if it's messy, even if you have toddlers and, you know, they're not compliant with you while you're trying to sit down and read and they're, you know, wanting to get up and they're busy or they're wanting to play with the nativity scene or, or you know, play with the candle that you're lighting. That is, and I will just say, side note, that's generally the way it is. I, like I said, I've homeschooled for all these years. We would do Bible time every morning. I can guarantee you when you start this, if you've never done Advent, the enemy's going to push back because he would love to keep your family from studying scripture together. But you just keep going. You don't need to overcomplicate it. Do it the way it works for your family, whether that's in the morning, whether that's at night, whether that's simply reading a chapter of Luke. Uh, every day before Christmas, whether that's, I've heard of literary advents where you read picture books with your children, whether that's getting a devotional to do it, you do Advent the way it works for your family. It may work to do it every Sunday at the traditional Advent before Christmas. But when you look back, when you launch kids, you will never regret the time that you invested with your children. And as a single mom, I've had to do that by myself. I don't have, there's no dad coming in and doing this. So moms, if you have a husband who works night shift, if you have a husband who's not going to take this mantle of leadership, don't shy away from doing this with your children and with your family. And you will be blessed while you're doing it this month, but you'll also be blessed as you look back at your years of child rearing and seeing these as some of your favorite memories of Christmas. Absolutely. And I, as you were talking, I was thinking about because my kids are launched and I'm a grandparent now five times and 
I remember that we had a nativity set and I don't even know what happened to it. I, I wonder, I'm thinking, what happened to that? And it was a block set. So they were just blocks, pieces of wood that were painted and they each had on them painted one of the characters of the nativity scene. And I had specifically had that so my children could play and have a nativity scene that was something that they were allowed to touch versus all the other Christmas decorations. Don't touch, don't touch. And I love that you mentioned don't overcomplicate it. Let's be real. You know, we know toddlers, like you said, are are not going to sit still and look at the book. And if you're reading a book, I think when I read to my grandchildren and even when my children were younger, you read two pages and then they want to close the book and do something else, you know. That's just how children are. And so instead of allowing yourself to become frustrated with that, how can you share Jesus with them through that season, which are things that you're sharing? You know, for us to do that, instead of having a high expectation of what it's going to look like, the reality is our kids are going to be playing and doing something, but they're listening, they're hearing. And every once in a while, they'll say something or do something or come and point, you know, Jesus or, you know, different things. And then we know as a mom and dad, oh, they are paying attention. They are listening. They just don't have the attention span to sit still. You know, I'm thinking of toddlers to sit still. But even some older kids have a difficult time, especially if they have like some attention deficit disorders. But just recognizing how and I love your ideas of let's let's focus on Jesus. Let's not focus on what do I want for Christmas. Let's focus on Jesus and let's let's talk about that story. So I'm so appreciative of all the different ideas that you have shared as that parents of what they can do to observe Advent. And I just have to say I I wasn't raised in a church. Well, I, I, I didn't become a Christian until I was 22. So as, as a Christian, I wasn't in a church denomination that observed Advent. I've just had a couple of friends that have written books. And out of that, I began to do that on my own of reading those books and following that and acknowledging that on my own. And this was once my kids were out of the home. But with all the knowledge that you have, with all this deep searching that you have done, could you share two or three tips for the, that listener who's searching for a deeper relationship with Christ? I would probably say the same thing, that we don't have to overcomplicate it. Yeah. We can look at other people, you know, we can look at the Instagram squares or maybe even see pe- women in our church. We think they have it all together and they've got the perfect devotional time and they hear from the, you know, they get regular downloads from the Lord here so clearly (laughs) and perfectly. I think the one thing that keeps me most anchored in Christ, in the Lord, is having time with him in the word. For me, it's looked different in different seasons. Sometimes I'm in a Bible study. And so I have Bible study homework that lets me, you know, get regularly into the word. When I was a mom of young kids, I remember thinking, first of all, I'm not a morning person. And secondly, I didn't really have a morning. I was like 24-7 nursing children, getting up with toddlers, you know, like my morning just happened really before I 
it just kind of, you know, when the first child got up, then our morning happened. And it, of course, just like I said before, every time I would make a commitment, like I'm going to get up 15 minutes early, or I'm going to get 30 minutes early and have this time before my children do. Well, you know what would happen? They would sense somehow that I was up early and they would get up. So I remember in those early, when my children were young thinking, you know, I might not do this first thing in the morning, but it will be the first thing I read. And I know I'm going to read today. I know I'm going to read something today. And I will just promise myself that the first thing I read today, whether it's during their nap or, you know, while they're playing quietly, or I have a few minutes, I'm going to read the word. And that worked for me in that season. Now my kids are old enough that I can, you know, kind of get them started on their homeschool. And then I have my own time in the word and you don't have to have a devotional to go with it. You can, but just getting into the word. And for me, that's been not hunting and searching for scriptures that I need that day. For instance, if I'm going through something hard, I'm not going to look up a certain scripture to apply to it, but just picking a book of the Bible and reading straight through. And it might be a chapter that day, or it might be just a passage. And then I might sit on that passage for two days. If God is like impressing on me that there's more there and that I just can't leave that passage yet. So for me, getting into the word every day and reading that passage and then saying what, kind of answering two questions. One, what does this tell me about the Lord? Is this a promise here? Is this a warning? Is it telling me about his character and how he treats people and and what we can expect of him? What does this tell me about who God is? And then secondly, how do I apply that to myself? Then if that's who God is, or if this is the promise or the warning, then how does that apply to my life right now? And that more than anything, I know that you said two to three tips, but that is like the number one tip for me. And the second, I guess if I, if I would say two to three tips is not to put huge expectations on ourselves. It's we're never going to be that perfect Christian. We're never going to be that perfect Bible study person. We're never going to be, you know, no matter what we see other people portraying what we think it is, we can be so real with God. I remember early in my grief, you know, my emotions were just, I was experiencing hard and raw emotions and hard questions. And to be able to just bring those to God and say, you know, this is not what I wanted and this is not what I expected and I can't do this. This is way too hard for me and I'm overwhelmed and I'm so filled with fear for my future and I'm worried for my children to be able to bring that all to the Lord and just trust that he He knows it already and he accepts it from us and then to get into the word and let him replace all of those questions and all that fear with his hope and his truth. That is just like a day in, day out way to live. I know my own life, like when I kind of feel off or I (laughs) have a bad parenting day or just really feel, you know, a lot of like untruth, a lot of lies filling my mind. A lot of times I can trace it back to, oh yeah, I didn't get into the word this morning. Oh yeah, my day happened before I even got into the word and I skipped that day and I didn't get into the word and I and I realized how much I need every day God filling me with his truth. That's like the number one, number two tip I would say to just have an authentic, real, living, breathing, active, wonder-filled life with the Lord. I I really like how you talked about 
you know, getting into the word and just staying with one book in the Bible and then asking yourself those questions, because a lot of people don't really recognize, you know, how, how do I study? How do I do my own Bible study? So asking yourselves those questions, reading, I always tell people, read in another version, read in like three or four different versions. And if, as you mentioned, you know, if you're, you can't get away from a scripture, I've been in a chapter, just one chapter in the Bible for over a month, because for one week, I'm just drawn to one verse. And then the next week, I'm drawn to a a couple of other verses. It's okay. It's not the quantity, it's the quality of our study time. It's the the quality of does that draw us closer to God? And are we pausing and listening to what God wants to say to us? Not that I've got to power through. And that's not bad, you know, for people that want to read the Bible in, in a year. I'm not saying that's bad. Go ahead and do that. I'm just saying that pressing in and pausing and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you as you're reading the word and allowing that word to take life within you. And that's really what you're talking about is of doing that. And and you're right, there's different seasons in our life. Um, I can remember many times my prayer room was the bathroom because that was the one place that I could go when my kids were little that I could just have a little bit of time of where it was uninterrupted for the most part. And I could just have some conversations with God, especially if I was struggling. And there's a really good book out there called Practicing the Presence of God, and it's by Brother Lawrence. And what I love about that book is, and this book was written many years ago, is that he talks about how to practice the presence of God in your everyday mundane activities, such as peeling potatoes, how to have prayer and conversations with Jesus while you're doing the things that you do throughout life. It's not that we have to, okay, it's all quiet, just like, you know, we talked about those expectations about our family devotion time, but also our individual devotion time, that to have a lifestyle of prayer and worship to God. And it sounds like that's what you're really talking about. Yes. And that, I actually read that book as well when I was a young mom. I think somebody recommended it along the way. And that was also very inspiring to to think, I don't have to like, our relationship with Christ isn't like on Sunday or during my Bible time, but it's just a continual conversation, very natural that we can offer up to God. And it may not be every minute, you know, when I'm teaching my children, I'm focused on that. When I'm writing, I'm focused on that. But just through our day, just having that continual conversation with God. It's yes. It, and again, that just makes it feel very natural. He's our father. He knows what's already on our heart and what we're going through. And so just to have that conversation with him. Yeah. So how can people connect with you, Lisa, online and purchase your book? And the best place to find me is at lisaapolo.com. That's two P's and one L lisaapolo.com. And you can find my book there. In fact, that's at lisaapolo.com countdown to Christmas book. They can find it on Amazon and I'm Lisa Apollo on Instagram and on Facebook. So I'd love to connect with them there. So Lisa, in the last few moments that we have, could you pray for our listeners today? Absolutely. I'd be honored. Heavenly Father, this is going to come out sometime during the Christmas season to 
all different listeners who are in different walks of life and different struggles. You see each one of us and you know us better than we could ever know ourselves. You know our worries, you know our fear, you know our struggles that we're dealing with. Lord, and so I just ask that you would make yourself so known to each one who's listening that she would be able to cast each of her cares on you. And especially for that woman who's in pain, who is walking a life that she did not expect and that she would maybe walking a future that she would pass on if she could. Lord, I pray that you would just give her assurance today that you are with her in this and that she is not alone and that you of all people understand the pain of life, the rejection of life, the mocking you endured, Lord, the the poverty that you endured, the loneliness that you endured, all of that you understand and you are with us in it. Lord, thank you that you left the riches of heaven and that you came down to redeem us. You are our only hope. You are it. And so we thank you, Lord God, that you've taken our, our sin on your shoulders, that you have nailed it to the cross and that you not only have put to death, death and sin, but you have raised us to new life. And that is true this side of the cross and it's true for eternity. And so we claim it, Lord God, if we're not feeling that today, Lord God, we know it is truth and we know it is a promise from you. And so we thank you for that. Thank you for this season that helps us to push pause on all the like glitter and the lights and the music and the everything else that the world would add, even things like Santa and reindeer, Lord God, that helps us push pause on that to focus on you and you alone who are lifted and glorified and magnified for who you are. Lord, we just ask that you would continue to draw us to you and show yourself in a real and truthful way in our heart. And it's in your sons that we pray all these sons' name. We pray all of these things. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Lisa, for joining us today. It has been a true joy to have you with me. Our show notes and all the links shared with us today can be found at my website, fullyrestored.love. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all of our shows. And I would so appreciate if you would leave a rating as well and a comment on whatever platform you're listening to us on. I also want to stay connected with you and you can find me on Instagram and Facebook page. Both of those are at author Kristen Klaus. I hope that you're walking away from this episode of Fully Restored Podcast with, yes, some ideas and tools on how to bring the story and the birth of Jesus into your family this month as we celebrate Christmas, but also the the tool and the thought of this is a season to pause. This is a season to get focused on Jesus, to not overcomplicate it, but to really simplify that because Jesus is truly the reason for this season. And remember friends, nothing or no one is beyond restoration with our Jesus.